Hustle Hate Skull. I am Hello Mark Harley, back with another banger. Back. Just yesterday, I shot one and went live on Tuesday, and I'll be full disclosure with you guys. It's Wednesday today. We had a scheduling difficulty. I'm cranking out back-to-back episodes. This will be out uh, next week. I'm recording this on a Wednesday, and I just have some super important, very uh, exciting news for all of you, as you may have known. If you're a follower of this podcast, if you're somebody who tracks each episode and watches them chronologically, then you know a little bit about my life. And one of the things that I was very excited about that I had to stop talking about, actually, I'll tell you about why I had to stop talking about it in a second and stop divulging more details because apparently some people want to keep certain things under wraps. I was in a Hanson music video. A couple weeks ago, I shot it. I am the only person in history to actually be in two Hanson music videos. That's a distinguished award that I possess, an honor that I am proud to bear. Look it up in the Guinness Book of World Records. If you don't have one, that's not my issue. Don't call me a liar. That's disrespectful. Now, as far as when that's coming out, April 15th, look for it on the Hanson YouTube. I'll be posting about it on Instagram. I have had a chance to see the finished product because the director ever so gratefully uh, shared a link to the final edit and I was like, man, oh man, I knew it was going to be good. Thought it was even better when we were on set and seeing how it all came together, it's an impressive feat of music, video, storytelling and humor and a lot of things coming together to make something really unique and fun that even ties into other music videos that they're doing because I guess each of the brothers is kind of like doing their own little part of the album. And so, uh, you know, one brother's first lead single has some images uh, that tie into this next music video and so on. And I always think stuff like that is really cool, like the layers on top of things and the conceptual uh, albums and songs. And uh, when you tie in little Easter eggs from other work that the artist has done, that's all cool to me. So, and it's honestly a really good song. I can't play it. I can't replicate it. But I was like, oh, damn, this is a, it's something you might work out to actually, which is, it'll, you'll see how that's appropriate. But you know, I was taking some pictures on set, and if you saw it for two minutes, posted my story before somebody came up to me like, "Hey, um, we're uh, Mark," and they like pulled me aside, even though no one was around me. They're like, "Mark, um, they're trying to not post social media." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, they don't want anybody to post social media. I'm like, huh? <laughs> they don't want anybody to post social media. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'll take it. I didn't. No, sorry. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> you know, when somebody puts like more, when they're like. Ah, are, they, are, they, are you afraid I'm going to react and like hit you or something? Like, um, but uh, I, I appreciate the diplomacy. But yes, I couldn't post any images. I have some funny behind-the-scenes stuff from that. Am I going to talk about t- the Hanson music video for the first 10 minutes of this podcast? That's what it's looking like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm going to jump to a Mark Harley meme of the week just to set up the rest of what I want to talk about. Um. You know, we can't swear in the first three minutes. Can we say the C word? C-O-V-I-D? Mark Harley doesn't get C-O-V-I-D. C-O-V-I-D gets Mark Harley. Uh, who gave that to me? I'm going to have to give you credit on the next one. Sorry, I didn't Photoshop your name. Ugh, I hate doing that, but I also did post it to my story if you see that. I just think it's a great little, like, um, Chuck Norris-style meme. I appreciate that. I think it's funny. And it's timely, too. That's the thing. It's like, you guys, you see an opportunity and these Photoshop masters, and or who, even if you're just playing around with it and you have a funny concept, it's just cool to see it, like, cranked out, you know, that day or that week. So, you know, <laughs> there's also this meme I saw. Oh, here it is. Cool stuff on the internet. I want to set that up, too. 
I was brain. It's this guy sitting in a truck, and, and the, the meme is, it's like fake news. I was brainwashed by the liberal media. Then I saw a video of a man ranting alone in a truck. I'm like, that broke the spell. Um, and I think that's funny just because it's, you know, you will see these guys ranting in a truck and it's like, is that going to change somebody? Does, does, do political rants ever change anyone's mind? And that's a really interesting psychological question. And I think there are ways in which to persuade somebody. But when I argue online or I debate or the joy that I take in trying to be right in a battle of ideas against somebody else, that doesn't really revolve around persuading somebody. If my motives were different, if I wanted to persuade somebody to think differently, I would go about it in a completely different way that circumvented the responses your ego comes up with when faced with information that you don't like because most people dig in their heels and reinforce their own beliefs uh, when confronted by somebody with opposing views, even if they're bringing facts to the table that you may not have considered. So, speaking of politics, since we are going to make this a political podcast, just kidding, but I do think there's certain things that come up that my kind of boundaries and rules for this are like, I'm not going to be like, Biden sucks, or I hate Trump, like that kind of easy, partisan, preaching to the choir type of thing, like, you know, obviously there's a lot to complain about about the current administration, which I'm happy to discuss in private, but really, you know, I like looking at other things and bigger trends and kind of like ironies in the broader political landscape. And one of the most interesting topics to me is um, the sort of authoritarianism that people are okay with for various reasons, because especially we live in America and we pay a lot of lip service to freedom and anti-authoritarianism and people like, you know, Gary Kasparov, who's, uh, whose book Winter is Coming is almost sort of like about, you know, through the lens of understanding Putin and his ambitions with Russia, you get to this broader premise that the two main opposing forces in the world are authoritarianism and liberal democracy. And we do, as liberal democracies, we kowtow a lot to places like Saudi Arabia and we kind of selectively criticize human rights violations, whatever, like that's just, that's a non-controversial fact, right? Um, we, we let China and Saudi Arabia get away with a lot because we have business interests there. So like sometimes we'll be, you know, selectively um, critical of certain things, but not if our interests are big enough. And, and so that's always an interesting like through line in foreign policy. If somebody, if America says, you know, we're going in there to like save the kids, it's like, are you though? Why didn't you go over here? Um, you know, there's usually an ulterior motive um, but, you know, there's a great argument to be made that if the entire world consisted of liberal democracies, there would be less war, violence, oppression, all the negative things that go on in the world as far as suppressing and undermining uh, the sanctity and freedom of the individual, you know, individual rights just don't exist in these authoritarian regimes. So, <laughs> but at some point we stop caring, right? Because I always thought it was interesting, one of the main things if you're looking to, to figure out like, what was the appeal of Trump? If that still is lost on you. Um, one thing that linked people who really liked Trump was a penchant for authoritarianism. He took a lot of kind of strongman um, uh, notes, you know, out of the playbook of these other strongmen in, in South America or, um, you know, in Eastern Europe. Uh, and that's a really interesting lens through which to analyze things, because especially when a when 
the people believe a country or society is in crisis, we do often turn to people who go like, I have the answers and I want to use the power of government to effect a quick solution rather than waiting for the grinds of democracy to turn, especially when they're in gridlock like we are today. So how'd that come up with COVID? What am I doing here? Um, I do have a point because this comes back to China. If you've seen that viral video of the guy ranting in China, okay, so China, if you don't know this already, is in like a, they have a zero COVID policy. So everybody's locked down. And like we say locked down here, like, oh my God, I couldn't go to the grocery store. And they recommended that I stayed in my apartment most of the time. China has an actual lockdown policy where you're not allowed to leave your door. Um, you can't get groceries. There's like a supposed to be a system in place where you have groceries delivered. And, you know, in theory, if you implemented something like this, you would think that they back it up with assistance from the government that would make sure you're able to eat. But apparently that's not the case. And obviously, even in a place like China, where you risk your life by speaking out politically against the uh, Chinese Communist Party, there's still this, and, and probably, I don't even know how they get it up to the internet because it'd be censored. You know, I don't know what that mechanism is, but we got a video of a guy ranting in the street and it's all transcribed to English. But basically he's like, how do you expect me to like eat? How do you, I have mortgage to pay? Like, this is crazy. Like, we're going to die. Like, I don't have any food. My feel like this is a recipe. Like, and it was so impassioned. So that's why I wanted to set up that like trucker ranting in his car. It's like a lot of that's hard for me to take seriously most of the time because you know, it's often like anybody ranting in their car. It's like, you know, I just, you're, you're worried about the wrong things. And I don't think they're that immediate of a threat for you to be like, this country's so messed up that like everything's on the line for me. But I believed this guy. And it was just an interesting little insight because I don't know how much you think about different, like I think about North Korea a lot. I'm fascinated with them and like just how oppressive the society is and how, you know, so many things that we take for granted are just you know, not available to them, speaking your mind being one of them or doing anything to protest the government that, that doesn't risk a real uh, chance of you being killed, you know, very quickly. So uh, this, it's, it's a pretty epic rant and like gives you an insight into what's happening and how um, this is an anti-scientific approach. Like apparently there's no science that backs this up and you should really in this case, I guess, try to get vaccines to people. But even the vaccine isn't like the Chinese vaccine isn't that good, but they're not even like, they're not forcing people to take it over there. They're forcing people to stay inside and you can't even care for your elderly, you know, relatives and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, for some people there, there is this death sentence element to what they're doing in there. And specifically, sorry, not the whole country, but Shanghai and maybe other cities too, but like Shanghai is a giant city. And uh, they're literally shutting it down to the point where you can't even leave your apartment um, or, work, you know, at some point, I assume the people there are going to rise up against that. But it harkens back to the beginning of the pandemic. The two different political sides uh, had these different responses, but were sort of like impressed by Chinese authoritarianism for different reasons. The left was like, oh, look how they can respond in, uh, you know, in the name of like, the people are sick and need help. Look how quickly the government can rush to the aid by shutting things down, quarantining, um, you know, implementing, building hospitals really quick, I think was one thing because like the big, you know, panic over here was like, oh my God, the hospitals are overrun. And I don't know to what degree that was true. Obviously there was a lot of mishaps that happened in hospitals like, you know, New York and all these elderly people dying. But it was like, 
a lot of people were like in awe of China, right? They're like, look how fast they can act and look, oh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe like authoritarian states are kind of good because you can have this like crazy overnight response and just like, now we got hospitals, now we're taking care of it, now it's on lockdown, now we're gonna like solve this quicker than everybody else, right? Um, because a big frustration of the left is like, why aren't more people taking vaccines? If everyone take a vaccine and we just solve this whole thing. Of course, that's not true, but there is this element of like frustration that they couldn't like, you know, if you really push it, I do think, yes, parts of the left wanted to like be able to physically like restrain you and inject you with a vaccine. Not for nefarious purposes, but because they believe this would cure COVID and make it go away, which I think we found out that it didn't. And on the other side, right-wingers, I think, kind of look at that and be like, hey, China can do this sort of stuff to like fix a problem. Like, why can't we do this with these other right-wing issues? Why can't you kind of wave that wand and like kick illegal immigrants out as one example? I don't mean to paint everybody, you know, on the right as being fixated on that, but um, there were reasons to kind of like, we envy China, like the right might say they're, they're strong, they're beating us. That was Trump's big message, like, you know, because they can always afford to look out for the country's best long-term interest in the Politburo as they plan things and, you know, make these really long-term strategic decisions that America just can't because we're back and forth every couple of years in the Congress. But now, how the turntables have turned. Um, now we're looking at a guy like that and you go, okay, but what if, right, authoritarianism power empowers you to make these really quick decisions and it could be in a helpful direction. But what if it's not? What if it's anti-scientific? What if it harms the individual? What if it's not solving the problem and they're just arbitrarily enforcing it, right? That's the dark side and that's the downside to governments that have total control over you uh, as a population and no individual has actual rights. So I just think the difference is very stark. You know, it's a little over two years later since we kind of started like the whole, you know, shutting business down and thing like that. And, and uh, it just makes me grateful, I guess is what I'm saying. It makes me grateful that I don't live in an authoritarian hellscape because uh, as cool as it would be to visit China someday, it's a scary place to think about living, isn't it? Especially in times of disaster and the more you can convince somebody that a disaster or an emergency is going on, you know, or use that as a predicate for extreme action, you gotta be careful with that because you let it happen once and then, oop, another emergency, you can't leave your house, grandma's dying, eh, too bad. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, haters will say I'm not political, dude. Well, ladies and gents, if you're watching this podcast and I'm speaking, you know that I'm on Kratom and not just any Kratom, Happy Hippo Herbals Kratom because it's the best. It's the best quality product you can buy on the interwebs. Now, if you go to happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code THICKBOY, you'll get 20% off. Not once, not twice, for the rest of your G-dang life. So I encourage you, try Kratom out. I really enjoy it. It's my limitless pill. It gets me fired up to do the pod and act this way. But if you don't like it, then maybe don't take it. You know what it is. Another day, another podcast, another oak and stone clothing item. Today, I am wearing the green and black flannel short sleeve shirt. Love the way this fits. And look, it's an XL. I have big arms, but it fits at the right place on my arm so that it doesn't constrict and it's very breathable. I even wore this when I was in Oklahoma. It was super hot, but you know what? It still was comfy. I own many other flannels. I own Levi's flannels. I get flannels that I buy off the internet. And I got to tell you, one of the big things is how it feels. This shirt feels great. 
It's worth every penny. It's ethically sourced materials. It's an American business that you should support if you like small businesses, if you like great high-quality menswear, and you want to support me in the podcast. Uh, go to oakenstoneclothing.com and use code HELLA at checkout for 10% off. I guarantee you will not regret purchasing anything off their site for yourself or for your boyfriend. He's going to love it. I want to introduce a fun new segment, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, Bre <laughs> Brendan got me into watching World Star videos. He'd always send us stuff. He doesn't really go on social media. So this is kind of like what he keeps on his phone to entertain himself. And boy, oh boy, does it entertain. World Star, now, I don't like, I'm not going to spend too long going through it, but it has this great amalgamation of things. It's like, you know, in one clip, it's like, Lion eats man alive. And then it's like, the baby's new music video, you know? So it's just this kind of like, all this viral stuff with a hip hop like slant to it, but I just saw some funny headlines I don't want to do go into. And actually, I'm going to set up some other stuff. Say what? Mano says he likes to role play as a runaway slave during sex with white women. This is my fantasy. I play like they whooping me. Now, I just wanted to dissect that because I also think, on face value, I totally get why it's being put on World Star because it's funny. And it sounds funny, especially when you take it out of context. We don't know what the interview was asking, if it was talking about sex and kink and all that different stuff. Um, so it's sort of an easy thing to like make a joke out of and even shame in a lot of ways. And it'd be interesting to see the response that he gets online and, um, you know, not even the woke crowd, but like how would black people feel about that? I'd be interested in like, does that strike a nerve? Like, would you, I can imagine a lot of people saying you're wrong for even like saying that out loud, let alone having the thought. And it just reminds me how there's so much that with attraction and kink and these different things, and often they're related to childhood experiences, like when you talk to somebody who's truly a sex addict or has these, you know, addiction or other issues, if you listen to Dr. Drew on Loveline growing up, did you ever do that? Every single person who called in who had some sort of weird thing going on, he goes, you were molested as a kid? And they're like, uh, yeah, how'd you know? And it's like, I mean, just the most accurate batting percentage I've ever had, but it was like he just could detect it like that, right? And they'd go into it, it would be various forms of abuse or molestation or whatever, but there's always something, and I'm not saying, by the way, that Mano is, was abused as a child. It just sounds like I'm going to go into why I think that's actually an interesting and sort of innocent kink. Um, and it made me think about a test that somebody sent me recently that I've been going to encourage all you to take, which is uh, going to help you see what kind of sexual deviant you are. Sound fun? Now, with the Mano thing, I think it's an extension and a specific manifestation of a basic BDSM or sexual dynamic, which is this power exchange of I'm in control or I'm enslaved, right? A lot of these questions on this link that I'm going to show you guys in a little bit, it was sort of surprised. It's like, okay, how do you define what kind of sexual deviant you are, right? There's these basic terms that everybody would probably know, like dominant, submissive, but there's like hunter, prey, you know, brat, brat, uh, tamer. You know what I mean? Like all these little things. It's like whatever spectrum you can go on, you know, you if you are somebody who enjoys, if you're a black man who likes <laughs> dressing up as a, or pretending to be a captured slave, there's probably somebody else who enjoys playing the opposite part, right? And if you guys can link up and have some innocent fun, that doesn't sound bad to me. So, but that's just a, again, a specific dynamic of like, lots of kink involves apparently being enslaved, being trapped, being prevented from moving 
uh, being punished in some way, you know, physical acts of torture that the other person has consented to, and and also just a reversal of perhaps your dynamics. You'll hear a lot of dominatrixes talk about how the men that they see, that they humiliate and punish and put in their place and, you know, make them their uh, submissive uh, little slave boy or whatever you'd call it, a lot of these guys are like CEOs and powerful people and you just hear that a lot that like the thing that this person is paying for is the opposite of what they experience in their daily life. Um, so it's not to say that he like secretly wants to be a slave. It's just like a nice break from reality. So I'm defending this guy and saying my hot take on Mano wanted to play captured slave is that sounds healthy to me. And if you're trying to police other people's thoughts or kinks, I just think that's a bad direction to go in. Um, for so many different reasons that I hope you guys can see. But, you know, the most you could do is maybe, okay, I'm offended that you said it out loud, right? If you're maybe a black person who, uh, you know, whose ancestors were enslaved and then you hear this, fair enough. But to try to say you're wrong for having those thoughts, I don't know. I think that's a slippery slope. The next thing that we're going to look at and wonder what's on Worldstar is not a care in the world. Granny snorts a line of cocaine in front of a crowd like it's nothing. It is nothing, dude. She's been hitting bumps for decades. Just hit a fat rail, dude. I'll never forget this. Uh, I was in Vegas one time about 10 years ago and uh, was with somebody who was into partying. And yes, we did some cocaine, right? That was a theme of the, the trip. I'm not into it that much where it's like I'm going to grab it. And, you know, like some people, one of the guys we were with, like, you know. We'd be like, where did he go? You know, where'd Sean go? And then it'd be like, oh, he's in the other hotel room, like dancing by himself in his underwear, just like doing line after line after line, right? Some people, maybe that's your response to it. And maybe you should think about not doing cocaine ever again. But at some point in the evening, <laughs> like the guys had met this girl at the pool and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to meet up with our friend Matt um, a little bit later. He's going to come over to the room, you know, and he's got some Coke or something. And he walks in. And I think the connection was that like this guy was Australian who's about to meet up with us and the guys that I was with were Australian and this girl wanted to connect them. And first of all, he walks in and he was a little person and that sparked a later debate about whether or not you should warn somebody that you're introducing a little person to that you're a little person because it would give you like, you know, you feel wrong for saying this, but you do want a little bit of warning just to be like, I'm going to shake like the weirdness off and like, so I don't have to be weird around him. Yeah, but you could also argue that if you if you're not taken aback at all, maybe that would offend the little person. Like, hey, did you preface our right. meeting with the information that I'm like? You should right, you should right, have right, some yeah, yeah. Maybe he's ex yeah, he has this radar of like. I'd be more acting, offended. You were acting too normal. Yeah. These these dudes are talking about me behind my back. Yeah. Like, hey, we got no mention. Everybody if, if chill. I'm, if I'm a little right. person and I meet somebody new for the first time, a group of people, and they have no reaction whatsoever, I'm like, it's you, like let me try that you again. Prep? I'm going to walk out and yeah. I'm come back and you guys are going to acknowledge the fact yeah. that I'm a midget. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so, more, no, that's, that's a really insightful be point offended. because you, your radar would be finely tuned to like, you know, the things people are thinking, you've heard it all, but then it's like, now you get to like, are, are people being excessively friendly to you? You know, oh my God, hey, how's it going? I want to be your best buddy. Like, it's like many things that are, un, you know, just out of the ordinary, just in the sense that it's statistically rare to meet a little person, you know, or get pulled over by the cops or whatever. There's this thing going on there where it's like, try to act normal, but it's kind of hard. You're thinking about something else and that's on your mind and you're trying to avoid it, but maybe they can sense that tension too. 
But anyway, that quickly dissipated because he had this grocery bag full of cocaine, you know. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> this little guy, you know, this tall, and he walks in. And like most people have baggies or some other, I don't know, like maybe a glass container. Is, I could, I haven't seen something, but people carry weed. And that's like if you had a shit ton of cocaine, maybe you'd carry it, you know, in a little mason jar or something. But he just had like a loose like Ralph's Safeway, you know, crumpled up uh, bag of cocaine. And I remember, like, so we were doing lines, and it was like, whoa, dude, this dude's doing a lot of cocaine for his size. You know, like, you make a little rail or whatever, and, um, you know, this tiny little thing. And I remember he was making these, like, really long, thick lines of cocaine, and he was referring to them as caterpillars, you know, and as, yeah, which is not, it's like, <laughs> it's not a caterpillar, mate, you know, um, these fat rails, mate, caterpillars, you know. Um, and, you know, that's, that's my story about a little person here about cocaine, <laughs> have other cocaine stories too, of course, but I look at this and go, there shouldn't be anything wrong with it because we drink in public, we smoke weed in public. I'm sorry, but cocaine isn't that powerful of a drug. I think it's highly addictive. And I think the stigma, the stigmata uh, comes from the fact that it's very expensive. It's often abused, makes you behave erratically to a degree, but so does alcohol. I just think alcohol is this kind of barometer for me of like, do you know unhealthy alcohol abuses? You know, do you know how much it damages not only your your liver, but almost every organ in your body, it degrades you and ages you and, and harms you and undermines your quality of life for all these different reasons. But we're super concerned about like, oh my God, she's putting powder up her nose in public that's gonna last 20 minutes. Like she's gonna be talkative for 20 minutes. You know, have some great business idea for the next hour and want to talk your ear off about it. You know, she's going to finally get into interior design, just like she'd planned to all these years. But now she's really going to do it. She's going to go back to school. Um, so I just thought that was funny. Because why the hell not? We should see more grandma snorting cocaine in the future, I hope. <laughs> all right. We're going to write past this Mark Harley meme of the week because we did it. And I just wanted to play this. You know, with so much going on in the world, I feel like family feud is just one of these wholesome things that can produce these spontaneous laughters. Right? Let's play Steve Harvey's little quick. And his question is, name something that follows the word pork. Could you back up? Wait, wait. He said coupon. What is coupon? A word that follows pork. So you'd say chop, right? You'd say roll. You'd say, um, that's about all I have. <laughs> pork loin, right? He said pork, you pine. Um, and it's just so innocent, right? It's so like, you're on the, you know, you're in the moment, you're on the hot seat and things like that come up in your brain. And I just love the, cause it's also like embarrassing for him in front of his family. I think Steve Harvey does such a good job at this stuff. Like I unironically like family feud and I stand by that. And it's for moments like this where it's like, what are you thinking? Let's just take a second to dissect your answer right there. <laughs> a word that comes after pork. You pine. Okay. Liver King meme of the week. Coming in strong when you asked the liver king how he got so jacked. And it's just a little picture from there with his liver in one hand and a big syringe in the other. So anyway, I started blasting. What is blasting? Well, in anabolic terminology, it's doing a high amount of steroids relatively, relative to what would be considered a normal dose or relative to what you would normally do. We're going to actually get into the idea of blasting and cruising in a second here. And then I want to click on that link right there. Little video. Anytime I, I look at Liver King's profile and content, 
so much about it. the things Michael that you Scott. choose to be. <laughs> I hate I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> now, I wanted to start because I don't hate him, right? I don't hate the Liver King. I do think it's always going to be an interesting thing to dissect for various reasons. I think a lot of comedy has come from him. I love the fact that he's become this phenomenon, right? Um, but there's some interesting things that I've been hearing about recently that kind of, it makes intuitive sense in a way, but like, I don't know if I'd think about the fact that, oh, he's not what he claims to be aside from the, you know, I'm natty stuff. Uh, if I didn't kind of come across this information, but, and nor is it unique to the liver king, but basically what I'm talking about is the idea that a marketing agency or individual with a lot of money gets behind an influencer like this that they believe they can mold and promote as a caricature and uh, propel them to a really quick rise in popularity that they can use to mutually benefit from the sales that will come from the company that this influencer is representing. Um, so we'll call this one the uh, Charlotte of the Week. I always forget if I do. I always go back and forth on, is it fitness fraud of the week or charlatan of the week? I kind of like the word charlatan. I feel like I went with that initially, but we'll see. Whatever I did before is what Casey's going to put up. So this pattern, I watched a really good video on somebody that I wanted to do a fitness fraud of the week, a charlatan of the week for, for a while. It's just, it's almost feels like low hanging fruit. It's this guy, Vincent from V shred. And he's this amazing example of somebody who is a really handsome a guy with a great genetics and a great physique, uh, knows enough in the gym to be lean and, and just look aesthetic, but I don't think he actually truly knows what he's doing. But one of these guys that starts off in fitness modeling, has a small following, gets somebody's attention, and they say, hey, we can make you a star, and we're going to ready to put money behind you, but you have to kind of sell these products, right? Um, and at some point, I blocked him because I was getting so many ads on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was for V-Shred, you know, the V-Shred challenge and how to get, you know, lose fat overnight and how to gain, you know, muscle and all this stuff. There's always some promise like, you know, this one little trick to get abs and, you know, get shredded in 30 days. It's always some stupid gimmicky thing. And I just could see that the guy was not that smart and kind of annoying. And so I blocked him and didn't think about him that much. But if you like don't have YouTube premium or you didn't don't block this guy, you might've been inundated with ads if you have anything to do with fitness. Now, I watched a really interesting video sort of recently when I was thinking about doing a segment on him and it basically broke down exactly what the company does to target a guy like this, put all this money behind him and get this and potentially buy YouTube followers. That's one thing that they do. But basically, you're trying to create this marketing funnel um, and over promise to these, uh, you know, a certain segment of the population. And this is kind of where it'll always be worth dissecting for me because it's, it's like a vulnerable population. Novices, they know how to target people who are just getting into fitness. So without the experience of, you know, a decade in the gym and seeing through all this BS and seeing what really works and really doesn't from researching and being around it and really living that life, if you're isolated and you're new to this game, you're susceptible to the idea that like you need a program, you need a trick, you need this product that I'm going to sell you or even, you know, a supplement that promises to like 
be more effective than cardio. They'll sell these fat loss pills that are, um, you know, that they're really billing is like scientists discovered. Anytime you hear that, scientists discovered that this pill is better than three hours of cardio. And it's like, what are you talking about? But because supplements are unregulated by the FDA, you can get away with saying almost anything. And all you have are people giving bad reviews on the opposite end. But even then, they're going to curate and incentivize positive reviews. It's like, hey, man, like, you know, we'll, we'll pay the cost of this thing or give you some incentive or some product or whatever or catch you in such a way um, when they reach out to you, like making it seem like we're dangling something in front of you and, oh, we want to use you for this promo and we can feature you if you give a good review. So they're also very good about getting people to say things that they want by incentivizing them. But when you really look at the aggregate of reviews of these programs, it's like uh, even a novice can tell it's not good, it's not effective, didn't deliver as promised, yada, yada, yada. But the point is, when you look at this guy, you see the team and the money behind it. And there's, you know, if you're spending a certain amount of money and getting a certain return on your investment, well, then, you know, in theory, you can keep cranking that number up of investment and still be reaping in profit. You know, if you're getting $2 back for every dollar that you're spending on advertising, uh, then that works, right? And I'll finish up just by saying this guy's billed as like a guru, a fitness expert, somebody you're buying programs from that he does himself. He doesn't he didn't know what a deadlift was. He 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 tried to demonstrate a deadlift. This is one of many videos where he demonstrates uh, exercises incorrectly. He sets up for a conventional deadlift with very mediocre form, like you could tell he's, he doesn't have, uh, you know, great cues. He wasn't ever coached in this deadlift, but he does a conventional deadlift at the end of the day. And he calls it a Romanian deadlift. And it's a small difference, but it's a very novice mistake to make that you go, ooh, this guy's selling me programs. You know, he doesn't know the basics. He uses a kettlebell one time where he like, he catches it and like has the kettlebell hanging outside here rather than racking it. Like if you can, you know, like if you do a clean, you rack it right here on your forearm and he has it hanging out like that. So he's like this. And it's like another thing where it's like objectively you're wrong and you're leading people to injure themselves. So that's where it becomes his problem because he just doesn't know anything yet. He's talking to the camera as if he's an expert. Now that brings me to the liver king. Apparently, and of course he's got a marketing machine behind him and he was sort of discovered and promoted um, by a guy who is now his business partner but saw the opportunity for profit and who knows what he was like before. Maybe he was just some buff dude. Maybe he really is into liver. But it calls everything into question because when you do this, you have to constantly be on brand and you have to implicitly deceive your audience by making it seem like I'm this organic social media phenomenon, right? I just popped up out of nowhere and overnight I have a million followers. Now, of course, he does have a viral look and viral content and just the notion of like, all he does is eat liver and he's very easy to make fun of and he's controversial. So even getting people to, you know, debate in the comments whether he's natty or not could be a deliberate strategy to promote the virality. But you just have to remember, follow the money. There's a reason why this guy seems to be everywhere and keeps coming up with content and is flying on a private jet. Uh, I have no reason to doubt that he could be successful on his own in business, but there's a reason you're jet setting and doing all these different things is because somebody with a lot more money is making money off of you and putting a lot of money behind the marketing of you as the poster boy for the products that he's selling that he's also getting rich on. So when people ask me like, do you think that's good? It's like, could be. I don't know though because I can't trust the guy because obviously this is a product that's being marketed to us designed specifically to 
hack our sense of what we're doing now for fitness is insufficient and wrong, like all fitness scams. No, no, no. Tired of doing a thousand crunches a day? Try this two-minute ab electroshocker now, right? Use that basic framework to say, like, no, 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 throw all that out. Do this totally different thing that's going to cost you money. Um, <clears throat> so I just have this skeptical eye towards him, and I'm going to be investigating more and giving you some more specifics as this drama unfolds. And I really want to find out who the guy is, you know, and give you more details on how he was constructed and what Liver King's origin story is. <laughs> okay. Boy, oh boy. How much time do we got, Casey? We've been going uh, 37 minutes. 37 good old minutes. All mm -hmm. right. So, you know, I wanted to do a help them on steroids real quick where I've talked about the DC training protocol and I actually decided my next vlog I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do a DC vlog, a pair of vlogs where I show you the, the A and B workouts uh, for the beginner which is upper body, lower body, basically, where you do also biceps and forearms on the leg day to give yourself a little break because you just did a bunch of back the day before. You don't want to do it all the same day. Anyway, DC training, as initially promoted by Dante Trudell, DC from Dog Crap, which was his name, on the forums because he couldn't think of anything better at the time, he also had a steroid regimen that I wanted to just express to you as a template for when you look at bodybuilders, you look at really jacked dudes, here's how they're doing it. And it's remarkably simple, but I think still something that people don't want to confront the reality of, right? His basic recommendation in this, um, uh, his, his tome, his, internet, his early 2000s internet tome, Cycles for Pennies. He goes on to, you know, talk about how to get huge base. Because if you want to be an open bodybuilder, you just have to be a monster, right? And he's basically like, look, the HGH and the insulin and the, the exotic compounds, they're just too expensive for the average bodybuilder. The thing that's going to get you really big is 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of testosterone every week. And maybe you throw in one anabolic that you rotate through each cycle, like equipoise, you know, at 600 milligrams a week or, you know, up to 1,000, I assume. But the basic recommendations are like equipoise or DECA, Nangelo and Decanate, you know, 500 to 1,000 a week or... Um, Finiplex, which is, was the sort of vet pharmaceutical version of Trenbolone at 75 milligrams uh, every other day or, you know, up to 150 milligrams every other day, which isn't a crazy dose. Like I'd say, you know, another five, it's very powerful. So that's it, right? And he also says you go for six to eight weeks hard at a time, drop your test down to a TRT level or a high TRT level, like between, you know, 150 to 300, maybe 400. You're just doing tests and you run Clomid and you run HCG and just, just do enough to get those nuts started a little bit uh, again, you know, just jumpstart those nuts once more. And then that's like three weeks, right, of PCT while you're running testosterone. And then you're back to running the thousand milligrams of tests each week. So it's one of these things where you want to know how to get huge. You take a progressively higher dose of testosterone. And why testosterone specifically? Well, it is one of the safest compounds to take for your body, even at higher dosages because your liver is used to, to processing that. And also, um, it's super cheap, right? People are often shocked you can get a bottle of testosterone for 200 to 30 bucks, right? Um, if other things are much more expensive, if you're spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a month on 
a pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, do you really know what you're getting out of it? Not a lot of people do. People, some people swear by it, but as far as just building sheer amounts of of muscle, this is like the hardcore bodybuilding approach that many people won't talk about. But I think it's one of these things. Where it's like, oh right, it's simple. You just crank the doses, and you do it all the time. And that brings me to another point, which is to really enter into this world. This is what I always tell people. Don't just come to me and say, I want to do six weeks of Anivar. I want to do SARMs for eight weeks. I want to take uh, Rad 140. I want to take Austrian. What do you think? Why would you just do one cycle? I, I honestly think you should just stay natural. I'm not saying like you have to do cycles and then do a bunch. Everybody should. No. I think you should either stay natural and come up with a, uh, a strategic way to put on as much muscle as you, as you want, if that's your goal. Uh, or map out like a two-year minimum plan of going off and on. Like I said, blasting and cruising. The cruising part is, of course, when you take the HCD and clomid and lower your doses to refresh your androgen receptors and also give your body a break from the six to eight weeks of really hard training where you're pushing all these numbers and pushing for growth, then holding onto it, letting the androgen receptors refresh, and then pushing again. That's something that I'm attempting to replicate or at least we'll be experimenting with it and I'm on TRT now. Uh, plus five IUs of HDH, and I'm debating going on to a high dose of DECA and D-ball for like six weeks. I have these thoughts, I have these debates in my head. I don't know. It's always changing, but but I'm at least thinking ahead and going, when if I started this here, what would it do? Where could I land? How could I fix my diet? I'm always thinking longer term, and I think that's how you accumulate results. Because if you're just going in and being, like, I'm going to dip my toes in it and do one cycle and get out, you're going to be right back where you started. You know, if you want to make significant changes in your physique over time, and just remember, when you get more muscle and get more ripped, it actually becomes harder to get that more muscle and become a little bit more. So you're eking out these smaller gains, you know, over time after that first couple of years, and it doesn't happen by accident. You have to be very deliberate. And I would just encourage everybody, anybody who's asking me about that one cycle, whatever, Think long-term. Think, where would I want to be in three years and how can I get there in the safest way possible and make sure that I'm not just running trend at 700 a week for three years because I'm a psychopath and have no self-control. All right? Okay? You had enough? Look it up. Cycles for pennies. Do we have time for a nice gyms or what? Okay, let's just run through these. Come on, let's do it. This guy's doing a muscle-up. Now, this is impressive. He's doing a muscle-up with a bench tied around his waist. So it's like, I'm a hater because I can't even do a muscle up with nothing around my waist, but I is can. this necessary? I always just cringe at this stuff because it's like, I hope there's nobody else at that gym. I just feel like you're in the gym too long if you feel the need to to make content like this. I don't know. That's and my hater got, side. He's yeah. got the chicken wing going. That's uh, when one arm like oh, turns over go. before yeah, so the other. You, that's you, wouldn't, you wouldn't count that a full muscle? I mean, it, it is, but it's not good. It's like, yeah. let's see 10 perfect bar muscle ups that's more impressive than a chicken wing with a right. fucking yeah, thing no, on yeah, your dick. Yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, because you can kind of like, I can get my chicken wing You can also then... like do strict bar muscle-ups. There's way more yeah. impressive stuff yeah, can than Can you do like... muscle-ups? Oh, yeah. That's badass. Thanks, man. I, want... I really want to learn because I think it looks cool. Okay. Check out, we don't have to use this, but um, check out my brother, Colin. He's like muscle-up guy McGee. Um, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, and this is another area which I'd like to actually get into. Oh, I think I already showed you this, no? Not this one oh, in particular. Okay. That's so really cool, though, because whenever I look at a guy who does uh, calisthenics really well, they do typically have very balanced aesthetic physiques, you know? And I just think it's cool to be able to control yourself in that way. Um, 
and looks like a really interesting challenge that I think makes you think about more than just strength, coordination and uh, mastery of your own body. It's like, dude, that's freaking cool. You know, like there's just no way around it. Like that looks badass. And because everybody's using their own body weight, it kind of creates this like inherent fairness. It's like, oh, you're too heavy to do muscle ups? Lose weight, fatty. Mm. You know, um, you have to compromise something at the end of the day. So I think that's cool. To me, that's cooler than just infinitely getting bigger, you know. Now, what's the other one that we did? Part two. Here we go. Oh, this is kind of an innocent one, but the one time my leggings split right down my cheeks while squatting during peak hours. So I wanted to put, because this like this girl's squatting a lot. Is that three plates plus? It looks like it might be 385, actually, if that's three plates, a 25 and a 10. So that's a lot of weight. She's a, a powerful woman with a big old badonkadonk. So we see why the pants are splitting, but I guess the question is, what would you do? Would you immediately go home? Like, would you train through it? Shit, yeah. If I you probably, were her, would it be a different answer versus if you were Casey Garrity? Shit. Internet's most handsome yeah, I'm probably, podcast producer. I'm probably going home. I mean, once you're fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. It's time and it's to like, go are you home. wearing a thong? Like, because I'll freeball it a lot of the time. So it's like, I'm not going to walk around with my asshole out of my pants. You know, if I had boxers, it wouldn't be a big thing. But it's like, and I've actually had that happen before. Like, I have shown up to work out with Brendan Chappelle and I had these like, Kino body joggers on that I just like my thighs are so huge there's always this friction between the thighs so like a little hole create then it's like oh my left nut is hanging out you know good thing I'm on steroids and they're too small to actually pop out of my sweatpants otherwise I'd be real trouble but you see you know you pull out that used gum right oh look I sat in gum um you know maybe we'll just end there maybe we'll do uh, we'll do one more we'll do one more how about we have nice this is why we can't have nice gym Oh, yeah, POV, me and my gym bro flexing with a good-ass pump. Dude on the right passes out. And it looks real, too. I, it's, it's hard to fake a pass out, like, and not flinch. Tell me what you think is a stunt, man. It looks like, like, you see how his arm doesn't, like, you almost, most people, if you're not a trained stunt man. It's tough to tell because there's a jump cut. Right, and I wonder if that's just the more interesting part that they kept flexing, but he's like, it looks genuine to me. Who knows? Maybe these kids are yeah. going to come out and say, I like, mean, you could easily just have a mat yeah. right here on the ground and he just falls onto a mat. Right. Uh, but it, even if that's the case, you you sold me on this. And I also know that stuff like this can happen. I'll flex sometimes and be like, God damn, I'm about to pass. Like, you feel like you're on the verge of passing out or, you know, certain things have this unexpected effect on you, especially when you're fatigued, you just worked out, whatever. But <laughs> he is sending yeah. it. He's. Yeah, right. Yes, he is so definitely flexing super hard, holding your breath, trying to get those veins to pop, which makes you <laughs> lightheaded. Uh, we've all been there. One more, One more baby. Okay. If guy. ego I've lifting was this. a person, yes. Guy. And this is what I'm talking about when I bring up partial reps. It's like, look at the guys who are doing the partial reps, right? Does this look like he's got a system going on? He does have a huge gut going on, and he's using about three inches range of motion with a lot of bounce. And... I don't know. You'd love to see how strong he is on a full range of motion chest exercise. Maybe that is doing something, but it's hard to see how you progressively overload because if you're using the rest of your body to get the weight up, then you can't ever really tell, you know, if you're doing the same rep or not because you're just going to be incentivized to progressively use more of your other muscles 
in, and I swear this is so common. Every time I go to 24 Fitness, there's somebody doing these like little movements or just doing something wrong. And, and it doesn't even look like a crazy dude. Like this kind of looks, you know, you're wearing a weight belt and you have a huge gut and then you're like lifting, you know, five plates for two inches. Like mentally something's off with you clearly. Uh, I don't think that's a controversial statement, but sometimes you'll see these guys who are like, you're 35 and like in shape and have eyeballs. Why are you working out like this? Why are you making a fool of you? You must know that every person in here is going like, Jesus Christ, that's embarrassing for everybody. Um, but would I ever change that? No, because I love the gym. I love the weirdos that come there. I love that it's this big melting pot. I love that it's this melting pot for all sorts of mental illness, and, <laughs> and myself included, because you know what? I have body dysmorphia. I take off this shirt and I go, am I, am I skinny? I'm skinny, right? Like my arms don't even show up on the screen, right? My arms can't go over this oak and stone flannel, but I'm skinny, right? I'm skinny. 